starting the recording and here we are. We are at Sunday Inspiration, also known as Christian Witches Church. And we're on Clubhouse and this is being recorded and the recording will go on the Christian Witches Podcast as it does every Sunday and today, 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 today. I'm very, 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 very elated, very, 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 very enthused to bring the facts, the messages, the, the message, the truth to us today about a critical, 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 critical aspect of Christian witches. In other words, people who know they're magical, who also love Christ or aspire to Christ consciousness or love the Bible. Whatever combination, or I could say integration of Christian witch for you, whatever that means for you. It could mean that you were raised in church and so you have that background and that philosophy and now you practice magic. That could be said to be a Christian witch in your own way. Only you know what it means for you. You get to define it. So for anyone who is magical and has some kind of connection or background to Christianity, to the Bible, to Christ's consciousness, to Christ as an ascended master, to angels or anything, any of the things spoke of in the Christian theology, as well as you know you have magic. You know you are either a witch, a seer, able to speak. You have clairvoyance, you have clairsentience, you have clairaudience, you have connection to nature, you can speak with trees, you can speak with animals. On and on and on, you are connected to this goddess or that goddess or this god or that god. I have heard many, many, many iterations of this same current of people who know that they can absolutely be magical and be Christian or have a Christian background or read the Bible. Witches can read the Bible too. I mean, come on, it's not, it's allowed. It is allowed. And I would even offer that it's recommended because if it speaks to you, if it resonates for you, I found it to be highly resonant for me because the Bible is one of the big, biggest magical books that I know of because it's got everything in there. And even this morning I was uh, reflecting on the story of Joshua who was able to, to cause the sun and the moon to stand still. Now, if that's not magic, I don't know what is. Of course, we have all the stories of Christ turning water into wine and many, many people talking to animals in the Bible, people talking to demons, people talking to spirits, dead spirits as the witch of Endor, uh, speaking to the uh, soul of Samuel after he had passed on. You have people speaking to animals, speaking to donkeys and, and responding. You have people speaking to angels, angels materializing and talking to people. You, if you want magic, Oh, the Bible has it all, baby. It has it all. It's got all the astrology, 12 houses of Israel, 12 apostles, 12 tribes. You, you, you've got all the 12s in there, which actually stand for the constellations. If you look at Zeitgeist, even though you might not agree with everything in Zeitgeist, uh, it does draw some powerful parallels. It has the 40, the magic of the number 40 in there. What is 40? It has numerology. It has a whole book of the Bible dedicated to numbers. Numerology is in the Bible. And so when you look at the book of numbers and you look at the number 40, we have 40 days in the wilderness for Christ. We have four, where he met his shadow side, quote unquote, called Satan, right? And you have 40 nights and 40 days that it rained after, uh, during the flood. You have 40 years the Israelites walked in the wilderness. So this 40 number 
continues to replay over and over again as a theme. 40 is the number of transformation. We know that, that if you want to uh, transmute energy, if you want to trans um, uh, transform energies, 40 is a powerful number for doing that. So I said all that to say that the Bible has got angelology, it's got demonology, it's got um, necromancy, it's got astrology, it's got every magical and occult practice you could possibly think of. And what you have in your today's Bible is either a condemnation of it or uh, a use of it, basically, is what you have. You have a couple of stances there. People witnessing it, people not knowing what to think of it, and people doing it and people saying you shouldn't do it. So let's get into Deuteronomy. That's what this conversation is going to be about. And it's a, it's a powerful question. And I answered this question once in a video on my YouTube channel about, well, what about Deuteronomy? Doesn't Deuteronomy clearly say, thou shalt not suffer which to live, kill the witches. I mean, witchcraft is off limits. It's over, end of story, goodbye. There is so much more to it than that. So we've got to ask ourselves, do I want to be a dunce and only believe what people tell me and follow orders? And that's pretty much what a dunce is. You could just train a parrot or a dog to do just whatever you want them to do, which is uh, a person in Christianity who does whatever they're told, who follows the party line exactly as they were told who is obedient. While, while that is uh, admittedly one path, I was on that path for a very long time, 26 years in Christianity. I've always been a minister my entire life. And uh, in that paradigm, when I was this good Christian knocking on doors as in the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses from age four to age 30, 26 years, I had that party line. I was teaching other people the party line. Follow the rules, here are the rules, they came from God, do this, you're good. Don't do what's on the bad list, the sin list. Fornication, adultery, blah, 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 we know the sins. And do what's on the good list. And if you do do something that's on the bad list, well, if you pray and you pray and you pray, and you take Jesus, because it's a savior religion, right? And it's also a blood religion. It's a blood magic religion because you need blood in this religion of, of Christianity. I don't know how Christians don't think that their religion is not a blood magic religion, but that's a conversation for another day. It's, it's a pact made with blood and the, the whole thing all throughout the Bible, you have blood packs. So I'm not sure how they think that, that that's why it's part of initiation in Christian witchcraft for us, because it's in the Bible that you make a pact, you seal it with blood. That's what we did. I mean, you probably even did that when you were a kid. You had blood brothers and blood sisters. You, you pricked your finger, you pricked their finger, and you put it together, you made a pact. I mean, I think everyone knows that. Well, um, when you look at the Bible and you look at uh, the unfoldment of the things in the Bible, if you have uh, the, the Savior, follow these rules, do what you're told, you're gonna be good if you go over to the bad list, they do have a savior for you. There's a stopgap. You won't just die, go straight down hell. You will be, you'll have a chance if you let this, if you appeal to this particular savior, right? So we understand the Christian ideology. Now that is not a right or a wrong ideology. I want to make that clear. I don't think any religion is right or wrong. It's what works for you. What is your highest and best good? And take 
and you are on a soul's journey. You're on a journey of the soul. You're not on a religious journey. No one's on a religious journey. Your soul came here to be on a soul journey. What can you use from this story to feed your life? The Christian stories deeply feed my life. They feed my soul. They're soul food for me. So when I hear these Christian stories, I read the Bible, it moves something in me. It's moving, it's inspiring. You know, David and Goliath, Samson, you know, bringing down the whole place. They blinded him because he was so strong and he had this long hair and they wanted to cut his hair and all oh my, they cut his hair and then, you know, he was deceived by this woman supposedly. And all these stories, I love them. I love Bible stories. I don't take not one of them as history, not one, because they've all pretty much been, um, the Bible has been shown not to be a book of history. I never took the Bible as a book of history and I never took the Bible as a book to be taken literally. None of this is to be taken literally. So I want to give that backdrop before we dive into Deuteronomy and understand this from a factual perspective so that we don't swirl around with people who are not willing to do their research. So once again, we're gonna define dunce as a person who does exactly what they are told and they never study anything. I call them the willfully ignorant. If you are willfully ignorant, this conversation will not go well for you. You will be mad at this conversation because this conversation will sound inflammatory. I'm outside enjoying nature. So if you hear some sounds, I'm in Miami currently. Just got back from Salem. I hopped from my home in Mexico up to Salem for my birthday for a few days in my birthday month, the month of October. I love haunted happenings in Salem. And now I hop to Miami to see my family for a few days before I hop back home to Meta to Mexico. Anyway, so if you hear sound, I'm sitting outside in Miami and you may hear some effects in the background. So if a person is going to be a dunce, they are going to listen to this and they are going to hear all the things that challenge our traditional understanding and our traditional take on Christianity. That is not the intention. The intention is to educate, inform, and inspire. Why? So that I heard in the Bible, study to show thyself approved. That if you are, so that you become a workman, or in other words, a trap, a, 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 um, a craftsperson with nothing to be ashamed of. What does that mean? It means you know your stuff. You are a master of your craft. See, there's a craft and people call it witchcraft. And for me, witchcraft is an inner experience, right? And magic. It's These are all inner and we express them through, let's say, our use of crystals, our use of incense, our use of uh, words, incantations elements on and on and on you understand that because you're a witch or a magical being of some sort if you were attracted to this well we're going to stay out of dunce territory and we're going to enter mastery territory we're going to talk self-mastery because when you're a master and you're a christian witch i'm going to tell you something that's very profound that's going to happen for you not only are people good lord I have been talking all this time and I was on mute. <laughs> well, family, all I can say is that everything that I was just talking about, the introduction to this whole conversation 
is recorded. Oh my God. Thank God it's recorded. And it's on the podcast. It will be on the podcast tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Family in the in the room, please forgive me. I'm seeing a note on the back channel. And Jocelyn, thank you. <laughs> Jocelyn, I've been talking for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'm off to the races and did not unmute myself on Clubhouse. Please forgive me, family. Look, anytime you see me in Clubhouse and you know I should be talking, please send me a quick message in the back channel like, Kaisi, we can't hear you. Because Kaisi is off to the races. And thank goodness it is all recorded. So <laughs> it's all recorded. So I'll pick up the conversation where uh where the recording is so just for the benefit of everyone who's live with us right now in the clubhouse room and you can go and get the link to our clubhouse room if you go to christianwitches.com all the resources are right there for you at christianwitches.com well uh what i was saying on the recording just to give the benefit of context to everyone who's live with us in the clubhouse room right now is that we have a people who are in what we would call the dunce category. And I use this word very saliently. I use this word with intention. A dunce is a person who is willfully ignorant. A dunce is a person who does not want to study. A dunce is a person that you can train to do anything, just like a dog, go fetch and they will do it. A dunce is a person who is extremely obedient beyond their inner knowing. A dunce is a person who pretty much is robot. They are trained to do this, that, and the other according to religion, according to the party line, and they do it. They execute it. If, if the party line told them to kill people, they would kill people. Uh, this is what we have rampant. Rampant people who do not question, who do not press for answers, who do not go on their own deep study who do not look from things, look at things from multiple perspectives. Let me look at it from the Islamic perspective. Let me look at it from the perspective of a magician. Let me look at it from the perspective of Christianity. Let me look at it from the perspective of Judaism. Let me look at it from the perspective of, of Egyptology. Let me look at philosophy. Let me look at, they're not multidisciplinary in their approach. They haven't studied history. They haven't studied philosophy. They haven't studied magic. They haven't studied alchemy. They haven't studied any of those things, so they're always going to have blind spots. And because we naturally have blind spots as human beings, it's important for us to go on an intentional search for our blind spots and fill them in. You cannot fill in the blind spots. This comes from me. I've been studying this for decades. You cannot fill in the blind spots standing from one perspective and looking at the world from one perspective. If you stand in the world and you look at the whole world, everything that has ever happened, everything that's ever going to happen from one perspective, which is the Christian perspective, you will think that humanity is 6,000 years old, which we've already proven that it's not. You will maybe not believe in dinosaurs. You will believe that somebody named God, um, Jehovah, created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. You will believe a lot of things that go according to that party line because you never moved to the left or to the right and just looked at it from a different perspective. And I know what people think. Well, I'm not going to look at it from a different perspective because they might taint me because, you know, I'm a Christian and I have to only look at it from the Christian way and I have to believe what I am doing only from the perspective of the Christian. Well, 
here's what I offer. If you're standing in the truth, you have nothing to be concerned about. Because if you're, if you're standing on truth, it doesn't matter where you're standing. You're standing on truth. You can look at it from the perspective of an Islamic person. You can sit down and have a conversation with an Islamic person and not get all twisted and, and twisted out of shape because you're standing on truth. And truth is universal. So you have no concern about talking to anyone or looking at things from any person's perspective. You could talk to a Satanist. You could talk to a Luciferian. And why would you be concerned that you're going to be somehow tainted by that other person's point of view if you're standing on truth? That's a ludicrous notion, and it is not founded in universal law and principles. So let's toss that out in the trash, too. We're not going to, uh, us, uh, we don't suffer fools around here. If you come into this conversation with Christian witches globally on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, on podcasts, uh, in Clubhouse, anywhere you, anywhere you encounter this Christian witches community, you will encounter learned souls who don't suffer fools. Bring an intelligent conversation here. I tell you, I look at some of my YouTube channel um, comments. I was answering some of the comments the other day, and someone said something about one on my one of my witchcraft videos, and they said something like Exodus so and so, and then they just listed a bunch of random. Uh, things that you're supposed to follow as a Christian. Do good to other people. Give good. Da, 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 da. It was a very nonsensical, and when I say a nonsensical comment, I mean it didn't take any sense to make that comment. It was a, re, uh, a regurgitation of what was stuffed in their head. That is what I call a dunce. A robot, a person, who is simply obedient to everything that they've been taught, good, bad, or ugly, do not question it, do not ever do a deep dive study, do not ever uh, do, employ critical thinking skills that God gave us to come to one's own conclusions and be a-okay with standing on your own conclusion if, even if you're the only one standing there. That is what we call a spiritual gangster. That is what we call a Christian witch, a person who has come into their own and they earned it. See, I've earned the right to stand here and share with you the things that I'm sharing with you today about Deuteronomy. Why? Because I did my research and I continue to do research in a multidisciplinary fashion and then meditate on it. We must meditate on these things, yes. And then once we meditate on them, we must put them into practice. We, we cannot believe anything at face value or we can't take anything at face value. This is critical thinking skills. This is coming to, this is deduction. This is your soul's journey. I mean, what's more important than getting to the truth? And it will take you time, energy, effort to get to those gold nuggets. The gold nuggets of truth are not just laying on the street for anyone to pick up. You must search. You must go on your own intensive soul unfolding search. That's what we're talking about here. And we welcome all questions, all questions of people that are on this very intensive search because I had so many questions on this search and I still have so many questions. And that's what we're here for. We're here for you to unpack and unfold your soul. Let's get down to Deuteronomy. So in the sixth century BCE, let's make a few distinctions. BCE means before common era. BC means, of course, before Christ. If you are looking at it from a more scholarly perspective, 
you would say BCE because it is then non-religious. You're giving a more secular way of looking at time, you're saying before the common era. And CE would be considered common era, or if you are more putting it more in terms of Christianity and um, Bible count, you would call it the Christian era because of uh, Christ's birth and appearance on the planet. So we're going to go with BCE because we're not necessarily looking at it from a Christian perspective. We're going to look at it first from a scholarly perspective. So in the 6th century BCE, before Christ, hundreds of years before Christ, there was a redaction of the Bible. What does that mean? There was an overhaul of the Bible. What do we mean by this? Well, we call it, you can look this up. We call it the Deuteronomistic history of the Bible. Deuteronomistic. Look it up. Study it. And what is the Deuteronomistic? And this fascinated me because I never knew that the body was the, the Bible, the Hebrew Bible was overhauled. Of course, we're not talking about the New Testament because the New Testament wasn't written yet because Christ hadn't come yet. We're talking about the Old Testament or uh, what people would call the Hebrew Bible. So we're talking Genesis to Malachi and the, the books that ended up in the official canon of the 66 books of the Bible. And what we know is the Old Testament consists of Genesis to Malachi. Well, the Deuteronomistic school, this is a school of thought that had a problem. They had a conundrum. Here was their conundrum. You have the fall of the Northern Kingdom in 722 BCE. Israel, fall of the Northern Kingdom in 722 by the Assyrians. The Assyrians came and sacked the Northern Kingdom of Israel in 722 BCE. You have the fall of the Southern Kingdom a uh, hundred and some odd years later in 587 BCE. I'm gonna let this plane go overboard, overhead, because I'm, I'm outside. And by all means, as you take your notes, raise your hand, come on stage, we'll talk about these things so that we can really understand. So I want you to write these dates down. These dates are very important for you to be able to hold your own and stand in a room and just have a civil conversation with anyone and maybe educate people about their own Bible. I find most Christians are not educated about their Bible at all. They only read what they tell them to read. You get in church, okay, turn to Ephesians. Okay, you turn to Ephesians. Uh, it's the rare Christian that reads the Bible every day and it's an even rarer Christian that tests the Bible, that doesn't take it at face value. I know a lot of Christians, they read it and they take it at face value. No, I'm gonna test this book. I'm gonna test where it came from. I'm gonna test uh, what it's about. I'm gonna test the historicity of it. I'm going to test the truthfulness. I'm testing everything. I'm testing everything. I'm a scientist. Now, 587 to 586 was the fall of the Southern Kingdom. So what do you have now? You have a major disaster for the Hebrew people. What is the disaster? The disaster is that their whole thing has fallen apart. Their whole thing has fallen apart. The temple has been sacked. The Northern Kingdom has been taken by the Assyrians. The Southern Kingdom has been taken by the Babylonians under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. The whole thing has gone and the people are carted off for slaves and chattel. The whole thing has gone to hell in a handbasket. There was no hell back then. Hell was more of a recent uh, invention. It's somewhere I think around the 1300s or so, but hell is another conversation. You have a group of people 
who are the chosen people who have a big problem. What is their problem? Their problem is we are the chosen people of God, right? Israel, we've all read this. How? Not by, and it says in Deuteronomy that God didn't choose them because they were bigger. As a matter of fact, it says because you, you were smaller. So I didn't choose you because you were bigger. It also says in the Bible that I chose you out of love. That God, or we're not going to say almighty God, we're going to put it in terms of Yahweh. Because Yahweh is not almighty God, yet Yahweh is the God we are speaking of in this context. Yahweh chose this group of people. Now, Yahweh has a father, and Yahweh's father is El or Baal, um, and this El figure figures into a lot of the names, Israel, and, um, and then we have also Elohim, which is a plural, which means sons of God, sons of El. So this El is sort of a parent figure to Yahweh. So Yahweh is not the creator God. Yahweh is not the original God. Yahweh, I, I've come to understand Yahweh is not source. Now for me, I'm not an atheist. I'm deeply, I'm deeply spiritual. Uh, it's what I do. I help people come home to source. For me, source is, is it's unnameable. It's the all. It's unnameable, it's beyond name, it's beyond comprehension, it's beyond all. And this is the infinite field, infinite intelligence. This is for me, ultimate God. Yahweh is an iteration, is a lesser God, you could say. Well, and we'll talk about Yahweh in another conversation. But I did a whole YouTube video on it, on the Forbidden Knowledge series. So please do look up that story about Yahweh. So the God that we're talking about, that made the pact with Israel, you're my chosen people. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, I have a pact with you. And the pact I have with you is that you're going to prosper. You're going to own the land. You're going to thrive. We know all of this because we've seen it in the Bible. Well, how did you have that pact? And now you have utter desolation. These two don't go together. You have supposedly this loving God that's literally killing other people, supposedly, right? That are not your friends. Just kill them. And you are only for me and I am for you. And this is spoken of in some very poetic languages in some places in the Bible where it speaks of it like a husband and wife relationship. Sometimes it speaks, speaks spoken of as a father-child relationship. I mean, you've read the Bible. You've read these things. It's beautiful. It's poetic. This is the story. So can you understand that if you were a Hebrew person or of the Israelites and you were in this uh, one of the 12 tribes and you were either in the 10 tribe northern kingdom or two tribes southern, southern kingdom, I think I have the tribes correctly, but fact check me on that. Feel free. <laughs> Feel free to fact check me on everything because <laughs> I'm not asking you to believe it just because I said it. I'm asking you to do your research. That's what I'm asking you to do. And then I'm asking you to employ meditation and reflection and so that you can integrate it. And then I'm asking you to employ, uh, uh, to employ critical thinking skills. We won't be able to get to the truth family without doing the work, right? Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical work. It's required. Effort is ex required to expend. It's almost like Bitcoin. We have to expend energy to mine Bitcoin. You have to expend energy to mine the truth deep within your soul. You're mining for the gold. Well, 
If you're an Israelite and you were brought up, you're in one of the 12 tribes, and you were brought up to know that you're God's chosen people. Look at all these people around us, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the, the, the Hittites, all these, all they, they ain't the ones, we're the ones. We're the chosen. We, and, and we can't be proud about it because it gives a warning. Don't be proud about this and, and be thinking you're better than other people because I chose you because an act of love, okay? Even though Yahweh is not a loving person, he's pretty, he's pretty mean, jealous um, God. He's like God of copper in the ancient world. He was probably a lesser uh, of the gods. He's more of a lesser God and he's pretty vindictive. So this Yahweh person, like, I chose you, I own you, sounds a little creepy and a little like uh, a stalkerish. Um, that's just my take on it. Anyhow, so it's a drama. You know, the Bible's a drama. It's playing out a drama. It's amazing drama. And it means something. So the Israelites, if you're an Israelite and you were raised to believe this, you were raised, this is your whole life, that we have a pact with God and that God takes care of us, and that God, we're the only one. And then some people that are more powerful than y'all come out and wipe out all your shit. They wipe it all out and take you for slaves and all your kids. What would you be thinking? You have a big problem to solve. Though The leaders are looking at each other. The people are looking at each other. How did this happen? What is going to happen? Well, if you study mythology, this is why you also want to study mythology, right? Astrology, alchemy, you want to study all the sciences. When you study mythology, you understand that we invent mythology to make sense of the horrors of our lives, to make us have something to hold on to when the, you know, everything hits the fan and we have nothing else to turn into, we make up stories. And that's exactly what they did. So the Deuteronomistic uh, redactors of the Bible, they call it the redactors, because they did an edit of the entire Hebrew Bible. Look it up, please don't believe me. Well, when they did this edit, there were a few things that were common to the edit. Now, some scholars think one person could have done this. I don't really think one person could have done this. Some scholars say a group of people did this, maybe some scribes who were in the Northern Kingdom came down to the Southern Kingdom and then they you know, got together and they did this. Either way, this Deuteronomistic history, there's a group of them, let's just say, a group of them who it probably emerged out of the captivity I mean, all of y'all are slaves now, pretty much, either to Babylon or to Assyria. You're jacked. You are just, your life is, it's just horrible. And only if you're a person like Daniel can you rise to like being number two in the whole kingdom. I mean, Daniel was extraordinary, right? So you, you have a big problem. You have a big problem. How did they solve the problem? They solved the problem with mythology. And what was the mythology? They said, okay, we're going to have to redo something about our whole story that we've been telling ourselves. It's a story. You've been telling yourself a story. I mean, it's a good story. It helps you through things. All of us have told ourselves stories, countless stories. 
If you look at your mythology, you are part of many mythologies. If you're a Christian, you're part of the Adam and Eve mythology and the whole Christian mythology. If you are black, you're a part of the Middle Passage mythology. And when I say a mythology, I don't mean that it didn't happen, even though Adam and Eve didn't happen as we kind of get it. Uh, when I say mythology, I mean a story, a legend, a meaning-making uh, mode. That's what a story is. A story is, how can I make meaning of this? Humans are meaning-seeking creatures. We have to make this thing, we have to put the thing together. Otherwise, we're devastated. We lose hope and we die quick because humans have to have hope. They have to have something to go for. They have to believe somehow that we're standing on something that's not shifting sands under our feet and that we could just have a horrible life at any second. And so what did they do? Well, they did something very ingenious. They created another story or added to the story, changed the story and revamped the story from captivity. And there are many signs that the people who did this redacting work, who did the redacting of the Hebrew Bible, once again, we're talking about the Old Testament, not the New Testament. The redactors of the Hebrew Bible, they were, they, they were organized. They had an agenda. And what was their agenda? Their agenda was to make sense of what just happened because the two don't go together. That God loves us, this is God of love. God loves only us, we're the chosen people. I mean, not that he can't love other people. Yeah, maybe Yahweh loves some of the other people too that they took in captive after they killed the men and the women and the children or some places where they killed people and just took some of them captive. Yeah, maybe he loved them too, but don't marry them because they'll just mess you up and, and taint your bloodline, you know, all that kind of crazy bizarreness that you know can't come from ultimate source because ultimate source made everyone. So everyone emerges from ultimate source. So if you hear these kinds of things where lines are drawn along racial lines, you have to know a person made that up. You would have to know that a person made that up. Okay. And they wrote it down. And if you keep telling it over and over again and you put it in books and you tell people this is what it is and it's the truth, people will accept it. Billion people on the planet right now accept the Bible as it is. With no questions, I'm like, no, 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 I have a lot of questions about this book. Now, either y'all are going to help me or I'm going to go on my independent search. And where I was sitting, they couldn't help me. They gave me the party line because they were following the dunce ideology. Uh, we do what we're told. And if you, you need to get in line and you need to do what you're told too, but that didn't work for me. Okay, so here was the change they made. We already said these two can't go together. A loving God that chose us as the only chosen people of Israel and now all our enemies then came in not just in the north the north and the south like it is a parent and the temple has been crushed smithereens destroyed it has become apparent that one ain't true it can't you can't have what you have right now the results and keep your party line that you are the beloved of God you are taken care of by God. You have a pact with God. You are the chosen people of God. All your enemies are gonna be routed before you and both of them can't be true. How do you bridge these two? Well, here's how they bridge them. If you go to Deuteronomy, and they had to revise to be able to do this. If you go to Deuteronomy, there's a clause. Here's the clause. If you stay true to me, You'll have all these things. But if you disobey, oh, you're going to have horrors. You're going to have heartbreak. You're going to have death and devastation. People are going to come in and, and 
uh, taking the captives. They had to add all that. Do you see that that's now a bridge? Oh, we had wicked kings like Manasseh and some of the other kings that didn't hold up our end of the bargain. That's why we don't have the promised land and that's why we're in, in up shit creek without a paddle right now. Do you understand that when something doesn't go the way you want it to go, we're still doing this in our lives. We do this in our lives all the time. When something doesn't go according to how you thought it was gonna go, you make up another story to bridge it. You have to make some meaning. You have to put the puzzle pieces together in your mind to make it make sense. And this, is, this makes sense that now you can hold all of the tension. It, this is the bridge between the two that didn't go together. The loving God that chose you to be his only one in all the promises and your current situation is fucked. Well, these two don't go together. How can I make them go together? Like, and you had to see that they were grappling with this. Probably took them years to come up with this and years to, you know, praying and meditating and how did this happen and what. And I like that. You know why I like it? I see nothing wrong with any of this whatsoever. I'm not saying any of this in a critical fashion. I think it was genius. I'm just letting you know that it was made up. I'm not saying that the Bible is not wonderful. I'm just telling you that I view the Bible in the same level of Lord of the Rings and, and um, Harry Potter and Narnia. It is a great group of stories, well told, that have meaning, like Aesop's fables. When I was young, they used to have Aesop's fables. I view the Bible as exactly like that, except it is charged at a higher uh, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the charge on the Bible, the Bible um, as a book, it's very energetically, it's calibrated very, 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 very high. So the energy quotient of the Bible is extremely high and extremely powerful. And there's many reasons for that, but that's another conversation for another day too. We got to stay on, on task here, Deuteronomy. So they had to go back and revise, make things fit together. They had to also, that was at the same time, they got rid of God's wife. And you can read the book, God's Wife, When God Had a Wife. It's all laid out for you there. Facts and figures, very scholarly done. Extreme amount of research, extreme amount of resources. And you can't just listen to the uh, the people who are doing exegesis on the Bible and the people who are for the Bible because they're going to tell you a different story. They're going to tell you, yes, this has not been made up. This is all inspired by God and here's proof that it's all inspired by God. Great. Examine that proof and examine more proof than what the apologetics are giving you as well. That's called Christian apologetics. And apologetics is always going to wind you at the same place. And there's many scholars, there's many professors in colleges, Bible colleges right now that are deep apologetics. They're only going to tell you where it matches up to the Christian story. So you still, you are still standing at the same perspective, looking at the thing. They're just looking at more things than probably us as lay people. Yet they are still standing looking at the same thing, Christian apologetics. So if you want to understand this, you have to understand who you are talking to. 
if you're talking, you have to understand if you're talking to Bart Ehrman or if you're talking to um, an atheist like Richard Carrier, you have to understand who you're talking to because Bart Ehrman and Richard Carrier are going to say two totally different things. And both of them are doctors and both of them have done their study and both of them has done research. And I listen to both of them and both of them bring you powerful, powerful, powerful information. But Bart Ehrman is standing somewhere different than where Dr. Richard Carrier is standing. Dr. Richard Carrier is a straight up atheist. So he is going to disprove every single thing in the Bible and he will have facts and figures. He does not believe in a higher power. And what I love about Dr. Richard Carrier is that he is extremely logical. He's not taken by flights of fancy. It's very hard to get anything past him. So I view him sort of as like a gold standard of logical thinking. And what I also know is you cannot get into the kingdom of heaven with only logical thinking because logical thinking is only part of the story. You know, you can't think your way to God. So while logic is great and I love talking to really smart people and listening to really smart people, that's not the whole equation. I mean, I know from my own personal experience, there's a God and there's spirits and there's everything else. Probably you do, too. And angels and all of it, because you've already had interactions with all these things. I think 80 to 90 percent of the population is interacted with angels and can tell you these stories. It's very strange. Even people that didn't believe, not just Christians. And the, so you have to go according to your own lived experience. What I'm saying is, is that everything in the Bible can be either explained or warrants deeper study. So now let's let's conclude that piece and then I'll give you one more piece to take with you. Understand that the book of Deuteronomy, where it has all the law, where it has, by the way, by the way, in the same chapter of Deuteronomy where they speak of um, kill the witches, it also says that if your kid is disobedient, take them out and stone them. I hear no one referring to that scripture. I hear many people refer to thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. It is okay to kill a witch, but it is not okay to stone your kids. Even though it's all said in the same chapter, read it. In the book of Deuteronomy, it also says don't eat seafood. And why shellfish? You're not supposed to eat shellfish. But I see many Christians in, in the uh, crab uh, feast. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they don't read it. I don't know. I can't speak for them because they get to speak for them. I can only speak for myself that all three of those things are together. So I'm not sure either you're going to take all of them or you're going to take none of them. I don't take any of them for face value. I go deeper to understand what they mean. Now, because Deuteronomy was revised, and I'll give you proof. They say Moses wrote Deuteronomy, right? That's what they say, that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch. Well, I wrote was, rose, was raised on it being the Pentateuch, but I believe Hebrew people call it the Torah, right? Well, the Pentateuch is the first five, Penta meaning five, the first five books of the Bible is the Pentateuch. Well, the Pentateuch, they told me, didn't they tell you the same thing? It was written by Moses. But I want to read you a very interesting passage in the book of Deut uh, Deuteronomy. Let me bring it up right now. I was just reading this passage again this morning. Here is Deuteronomy chapter 34. Let's go to uh, verse four. We know that uh, Moses was taken to the high land. He saw the promised land. God told him, you're not going to go into the promised land. And then it says in verse five, as the Lord had predicted, the Lord's servant Moses died in Moab. He was buried in a valley in Moab near Beth Peor. Even today, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight never became poor 
and he never lost his physical strength. The Israelites mourned for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the time of mourning for him was over. Joshua, and then it speaks of Joshua being filled with spirit, and Joshua was Moses' protege or his successor. Can I ask you a question? How did Moses record his own death and burial in Deuteronomy 34? Obviously, Moses didn't write it. How are you going to recount your death and your burial and what happened for the days after your burial and where you're buried? And it says there's a giveaway in it. If you read it carefully, what does it say? It says in verse, there's a giveaway. Here it says, verse six, he was buried in a valley in Moab near Beth Peor. Even today, no one knows where his grave is. And some Bible verses say, and he's buried there even down to this day. That's telling you that someone far later wrote it and they're reflecting. Even to this day, we don't know where it is. Would you say that about someone who is living right now? Of course not. Even to this day denotes a period of time has passed. That we are writing these things far after they are purported to have happened. And that the people supposedly that they told us who wrote it did not. Now that's right in front of your very eyes. So I don't know how more plain it can get other than a dead man came back and wrote all of this. And nowhere in the Bible does it say Moses came back from the dead and wrote about his own death and burial and mourning. You make of that what you will. If you read the Bible carefully, you can see where the redactors did their work. You just have to read it very carefully. You can even see the work of the redactors in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. If you read both chapters, there's two flood stories. There's two creation stories. There's two flood stories. And you can see that one of the flood stories matches one of the creation stories in Genesis. And the other flood story matches the other creation story. It, it matches. You just have to read it. Go deep. Now, here's the last thing I want to give you. And we'll open the floor. Please do ask any questions. This is an open conversation. And we are recording this. This will go in the Christian Witches blog. And the reason, why do I do this work? I do this work because the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. And number two, ain't no Christians going to take me out. They can't take me out. I know too much. I'm not concerned with them and their conversations about hell. Your, your hell was just invented a few hundred years ago. And you don't even know that. But you are, and I, I feel very compassionate for people because I know that they're under a spell. And they say we're the ones that practice witchcraft. When magic is being doted out to people every Sunday, they are under a hypnotic spell. And, and they believe it, hook, line, and sinker, without questioning it. That's why I do this, so that people can wake up. Wake up and understand. And when you wake up and you see that these things in the Bible are not history, it doesn't mean that you have to instantly become an atheist. It means that now, ah, what is this trying to tell me? What is this showing me for my own soul path? I don't want you to be a non-believer. I want you to know exactly what you stand on. Because some people, they get so frustrated with the Bible. Oh, this thing is, this, none of this is true. Ah, and they throw it away. I did that. I threw away the Bible. Then I was like, why? Something was drawing me back to it. Let's go to this. This is under Bible study tools. Listen to this meaning and use of the words witch and witchcraft. The word witch seems to denote etymologically one that knows. 
I'm going to give you my reference for this and I'm going to give put the link in the show notes for the podcast so that you can read which and witchcraft in our modern English Bible are problem words. Now, this is one thing that I want you to understand. Since the ideas we attach to witch and witchcraft were unknown in Bible times, the words have no right place in our English Bible. I'm going to say that again. The word witch, the word witchcraft, these concepts of what we today think of as a witch was unknown in Bible times. Therefore, according to this reference, that is an excellent reference, the words witch and witchcraft have no right place in our English Bible, especially when you look at the translations. Let's go to thou shall not suffer a witch to live. The revised version. It says a sorceress. Or a witch or a sorcerer. Let's look at the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is in both cases. This is the original language it was written in. Please understand it was written in Hebrew. The whole Bible was written in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. Then it was translated. Then it was translated again. Then it was translated again. And that's what you have. Now, so if you do not go to the original words and what did they mean when these people wrote these words, you'll be in the blank. You'll be in the dark, but you'll think you know. That's probably the worst place to be. Don't know, but think you know. Which, what does this word mean? The Hebrew word is in both cases the, partic- the participle of the verb kish chef. I hope I'm saying that word right. Denoting to practice the magical article. Now in the first passage, the, the feminine ending ah is attached, which would denote a class or a collection of units or women who understand the magical article. People who know. This would be the same thing as today. They call it a cunning man so or a cunning woman. So if you heard cunning back, you know, a long time ago, you wouldn't know what cunning is. Today, we know what cunning folk are. Cunning folk are people who know. These are the people that are on the Appalachian Mountains, like in West Virginia and whatnot. And they have a particular uh, Appalachian mode of the magical arts and sciences. Magic magic is in every culture. Witches are in every culture. Wizards are in every culture. Sorcerers are in every culture. Necromancers, every, which is the most enduring thing in the entire, um, what's the word I want to use? When we have these um, ideas in our minds, these are, um, the word will come to me in a moment. So, We understand that when you read the word witch or witchcraft in the current Bible, this is not talking about what we would modern day think of as a witch or a wizard or a person with witchcraft. First, it means one who knows, people who know things. Then it also shows us that it has connection to people that have divination. And that it was not negatively regarded. It wasn't feared. 
Now in Babylon, it was even revered. The magical practicing priests, the magi were revered. They were elevated to be people who could be advisors to the king and the king wanted the magicians, the soothsayers. And we also know that Joseph was a dream interpreter and he interpreted dreams and he had a divination cup. None of this was considered negative. Please understand that when these words were written, none of this was a problem. What was a problem? Well, there are two different strands of magic. And this is where when, wherein people get bogged up in the woods. There is the strand of magic where you are being a sorcerer and you are bringing negative harm to people. One of the biggest fears that people had like in the 15th and 16th centuries is what is what uh, Icy was able to do is bring a hailstorm. They feared witches bringing hailstorms. It, it was just a horrible fear. Uh, kill the crops. People would starve. It would be horrible. So this was a huge fear. Well, if we go all the way back, you, you have to look at when were these words written? What were these people believing? What was the what was their worldview? And please know it was very different from our modern worldview, very different. So if you're just reading the Bible and you're just taking it at face value, uh, you're a dumbass. I have to say that's dunce territory. It's a dumbassery move. And we're not dumbasses. We are scholars. We are witches, wizards, warlocks, magical beings. We are learned. We are scientists, alchemists, astrologists. We are power beings. So. There were two kinds of magic. Sorcery, which was the harmful kind. Later on, sorcery was interpreted in the Bible as pharmakia or poisoner. This is the part, later on it got translated again to witch. This was the one that was canceled in the Bible, to put it in today's jargon of cancel culture, cancel the witches because this was considered evil, evil eye, evil doing to people, harming your neighbor. That was later sort of uh, evolved into pharmakia, a person who, <coughs> pardon me, makes these potions, administers harmful poisons to people or people that could heal people with potions or people who could, <coughs> pardon me, make potions for love, love potions, uh, peace potions, uh, potions for your children to be protected from Lilith because a lot of people believe that Lilith would come and steal your kids, babies, right? <coughs> Pardon me. So we understand that there was an evolution. So at first it was sorcery, then it evolved to pharmakia, which is a poisoner, a person who makes potions, could be good or bad. And then it evolved to witch. And that's what we have today. Well, I know a lot of witches that don't even make potions. Please understand that the word witch should not at all be in our common English Bible. As, the, as I just read from the resource I read from on Bible tools, it shouldn't be in the Bible because it's not what it says. And if you don't have sense of a person who's a dunce, they're gonna go with the face value. That's not what we do. Let's go further. We understand that one source of, one kind of magic was sorcery. 
that's always been forbidden, that's probably still forbidden. I think it's forbidden in most all uh, 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 religions because it brings harm to people. Then there was the helpful magic. There were the magicians, the magic practicing priests. They had them in Egypt. Moses was going to, Yahweh told Moses that he would meet up with some magical practicing priests. And he did. These were high magical arts. This has never been condemned by any people anywhere. The high magical arts were used by kings and princes. As a matter of fact, the only people that were trained in the high magical arts were people of stature. People that were like kings, people who were in the royal court throughout history, people who were trained for it because they noticed that they had some aptitude like Daniel for the magical arts and sciences. They could read portents in the sky. They could read leaves. They, they, could, they had the gifts of divination. These were all considered God-given gifts. They are gifts from source, from the divine to help humanity. They could um, speak, communicate with animals. They could communicate with storms like Joshua. He was able to communicate with the sun and the moon in the story. I'm not saying it's completely actual or factual. It's, it's conveying a message to you that you also have power to communicate with the sun and the moon, which we do on our full moon and new moon rituals. It's all in the Bible. It's all right there. He communicated with the sun and the moon. You have other people that were able to talk to angels. You have other people that were able to um, command spirits, evil spirits out of people, help people with demonic possession. All of these people were considered helpful and were revered. So what did the Bible essentially do in Christianity? It lumped them all together, the sorcerers. Oh my God, and you're a witch. Oh, you're a sorcerer. Oh, kill them all. Well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We must have the smarts to understand the distinction between someone who's trying to poison you and make your dick fall off because you broke somebody's heart and giving you a potion for that, right? That's, that was a big thing and make your dick fall off or make your dick shrivel up and, and, and um, be nothing useless because you, you jilted this woman, you broke this woman's heart or you cheated and the man's thing would shrivel up. These are very established stories. Why? Because people believed it. So that's what they experienced. They experienced, maybe some of them were experiencing erectile dysfunction from maybe some bad stuff in their environment and thought it was a curse that got put on them and they were extremely afraid. This all got lumped together in one big pile. The necromancers, the, div the people who practice divination, the people who are making helpful potions, people who are making harmful potions, people that can read the stars, people that can have dreams, people that can read dreams, people that can read portents, people that can talk to the wind, people that can talk to the river, people that can talk to the sun and the moon. It, it put it all in one bucket and put a big, big X on it. How dumb is that? And are you going to stand for it? Floor is open. I've been talking enough. Put your hands up. Uh oh, uh oh. And we are recording, so if you want to stay. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast up until this point. 
We are now going to go into the open discussion portion of this conversation, and you will hear a little background sound, because as I mentioned earlier, I was sitting outside on a beautiful Miami day, and you will hear some overhead planes. I'm not far from the Miami airport where I was situated for this podcast episode, so please, please, please forgive the overhead sound. You may have to adjust your volume so that you can hear all the participants in this delicious conversation in the clubhouse room. Just wanted to give you that heads up. Now let's dive into it. Okay, Janelzia, talk to us. How you loving, boo? Oh, I'm now I'm in Miami. I, I said that in the beginning when I was talking for 10 minutes and no one could hear me. I'm just off to the races. Please forgive me for that. Family, it's all recorded on the... Oh, you'll hear it on the podcast. I was like, whatever she got to say, we hanging in there. We need to hear it. And I did. I, I took all kind of delicious notes. I could wait to go back and read up on them because this was definitely an education lesson for me. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Um... But I'm loving just fine. I just dropped a book yesterday. Woo! Congratulations! <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I've been talking about the other guys since the And that book, I'm going to see about sitting at retreats and things of that nature and speaking. And uh, just a little bit out of time. Yeah. You're getting. Yes, you're getting your whole life after having been with us at the retreat. The next retreat, I've got to say, the next retreat is coming up. And we will be in December on the winter solstice doing our ritual on the beach. A Christian witch's ritual. We always have our Bibles with us. The Christian witch's ritual, You will be. we will be on the beach on the winter solstice. Go right now to christianwitches.com click on events and get your spot in that retreat we're also going to go to the home or the uh, headquarters of the sleeping prophet known as edgar casey so i just wanted to put that in there too go denelzia yes ma'am now um like i said i jotted down all the notes i'm gonna have to go back and i'm gonna have to look up some of the words now I got everything jotted down except for when you were talking about um, the southern, I believe. You talked about the northern, and I got the date for that. And then I think you said 19, I think you said eighteen. The the northern tribe, the northern kingdom, fell in seven twenty two B C E before Common Era, and the southern fell in 587, 587 to 586, Southern Kingdom fell uh, to the Babylonians. The Northern Kingdom fell to the Assyrians. This is in the Bible too, because you know, you read about the Assyrians, you read about Nebuchadnezzar, you read about all that in the Bible, which is lovely. Um, I love all that stuff, I love it. So that's why they, and the temple was destroyed, right? Solomon's temple. So you just have a horrible, horrible predicament for the chosen ones of God.
as being like the prominent ones. I had actually uh, bought two books. One was called God is a Paintbrush, and the other one was called I Am God's Paintbrush. The God is a Paintbrush was written by a um, African-American female, and then of course I Am God's Paintbrush was written by the Jewish people. And so I had to try to point out to people uh, they were trained mentally different than we are trained. I am God's paintbrush. That means I am active and I am painting for him versus God is a paintbrush until you realize that you are a God. So those were some of the things that were coming to my mind um, when you were talking about the history and everything like that. I'm, I'm complete. You bring up a very, very, very good consideration. This is another consideration we want to add to the conversation. I don't think anybody in here, well, I don't know, I can't speak for anyone. I think um, not a lot of people that are in this conversation are Israeli people. I mean, maybe you're American, maybe you're, you have Irish descent, Scottish, maybe you're African-American, you came through the diaspora. My background is Ghana, from Ghana, Togo, in that uh, Benin, in that uh, area of Africa. Um, and then it's Scottish. There's a big Scottish presence also in my DNA. So Scotland and going back there. I don't think the majority of the people are descendants of the Israel uh, of the Hebrew people of Israel's because they're the Hebrew people there are Hebrew Israelites that are black Hebrew Israelites right and that's another conversation for another day this is the point I'm making why do people think that they're supposed to follow a Hebrew book that was written for Hebrew people that clearly says it's for Hebrew people. Why do you think you have to follow Jew? Uh, uh, they call it Judaism now. Why do you, you're not Israel, you're not a person descended from Israel. Now, if you are and you identify with it, beautiful, but someone gave you a book of somebody else's history and you took it. Why? And black people, I'm really black baffled at the black people that do this because this isn't your history at all. Your history is Kush, Kemet, South Africa, where they first found the first skull. Black people come from a different, and I'm not saying this to be divisive, black, white, this, that, and other, because we're all, as I said, I honor my Scottish ancestry. We're all descended from somewhere. Pay attention to the magic of your bloodline. My bloodline is not his Hebrew people, Israel people. So you want to be reading that book, understanding this is a book of a group of people's heritage that is beautiful and wonderful. Where's the book of my heritage? That's what you ought to be looking for. Whatever your heritage is, if it's Irish, you if it's uh, if it's Scottish, you need to be going to find. That's why the Celtic. Uh, path of spirituality, you need to find the holy books of the of, of Celtic holy books. That's why I've met up with a Druid. That's why Celtic speaks to me because that was for the Scottish people. That's my jam. I need to go and look in that direction. And you've already been called. And, and if you're in uh, Ghana, 
Maybe you need to go to a con. The spirituality of maybe not even Yoruba. Now, if you're in more Nigeria, more Nigeria, maybe you're drawn to being Yoruba. If you're Hispanic, as my father was, Puerto Rican, maybe, so in my blood, there's Santeria, there's Vodun. Um, I don't so much, uh, what's the word, identify with Yoruba, even though I'm around a lot of Yoruba people, I'm more deeply attuned with and resonate to Vodun, which was the mother of voodoo. And you have different strands of voodoo. You have North New Orleans voodoo. You have different strands of voodoo. And um, if you go all the way back to um, where they have the big Vodun um, festival every year, Vodun is around Benin, Togo, uh, the mother of the voodoo practices. Um, that speaks to me. Vodun speaks to me. Santeria speaks to me because my father, that's in the bloodline, my father is Puerto Rican. Therefore, in the bloodline would be Santeria. And I know that there's a connection there because I can feel it strumming in my blood. And so I need to be looking at Vodun, Santeria, and Celt, the, the, the Celtic traditions. Those are the ones that resonate for me. This was even before I found out my blood. This is blood magic. This is what run, runs in your blood. But we have given our power, our energy, and our attention to someone else's history. It's a beautiful history. It's just not yours. Go find yours. And you probably, not probably, it's already been speaking to you. If Yoruba speaks to you, go that direction. I'm not saying go and get initiated into Yoruba today or tomorrow. I'm saying follow it. Go in that direction. If Santeria comes in front of you, say yes. Look at it. Look at what's in front of you. Because whole higher self is stepping you step by step by step on your unique path. Why did I meet a Druid? Why have I been in ceremonies with a Druid? Because that will, those are my people, Druids. Why did it come to me that there was this woman who named, I believe her name was Hilda, who lived to be 60 and she's a Druid in Scotland. Because man, I, was, I must have been with these Druids. I must have somehow, and I didn't even know that there could be women Druids. I only knew men Druids up until that time. And then they showed me a woman Druid who had, when I say they, I mean upper realms that are guiding you in this lifetime your spirit guides, your ancestors, all of it. My Scottish ancestors are right here teaching me about, and I look like a black woman. You can't go by what you look like. You have to go by what resonates for you and look at your bloodline, look at your lineage. Magic comes through the blood. Anyone else? Hop up here, raise your hand. Let us know what's happening for you. Thank you for that, by the way. Yes, does that resonate for you, Denelzia, that you've been, we've been given somebody else's history. That The Hebrew yes. Bible is not your history. Yes, that was the first thing when I first started studying African religion. I said, this one here ain't working. Where is mine? <laughs> that, Hello. That was, the first, that was the very first thing. This is not, this is not working at all. Exactly. And that, well, where is mine? And maybe yours wasn't put together in a nice pat one book form for you. 
you're going to have to go on a search. You're going to have to read some of the ancient mystical texts, like the magical books, like the Egyptian Book of the Dead. How did the Egyptian Book of the Dead come to me? Because I was deeply, deeply, deeply connected to Egypt and Kemet and Cush. That's how it came to me. So you might not be able to find it all put together in one book as you do the Bible or the Hebrew Bible. You've got to go searching for it. Professor, how you loving? Talk to us. All right, listen. Hey, it's a little different way and I see a lot of and I've always had a spirit of inquisitiveness. And sometimes it gets me in trouble because I'm I'm Ghanaian uh, by birth. And uh, we do have a bit of Portuguese in us uh, because my great grandfather from my mother's side um, came from Portugal and settled in Ghana. And that's how the seeds of my mom and my grandparents came about. But I just realized that there's a lot of things that is weird about me. Um, And now I'm finding out that those are my gifts. You know, how I'm able to figure out people. And then I discovered metaphysics. I've been going to church all my life, but I just felt like um, there's some things that just don't add up. So I just, you know, do my own thing nowadays. You know, I take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I realized that metaphysics uh, resonates more with me. And I'm also a scientist. So it like, it all just makes sense. And I just feel just adding some of the things in the Bible and a bit of metaphysics, it all just kind of um, ties in together. And then I watched this whole Lovecraft on HBO. Like, I just oh my goodness, that. you going there Listen. now, huh? <laughs> Listen, it's like things are just like, I don't know what to say, but it's like these directions and sometimes I don't pay attention. And then I watched it and I was like, uh-huh. See, all these things that I've had in my head that makes me feel weird. And sometimes I'm like, why do I think like this? It's all making sense. So, you know, it's just... Every day, it's, you know, a new beginning for me of unlocking some of these secrets um, that, you know, has been, you know, here for a very long time. And it's a matter of just being um, awake to to, um, tap into it. You know, I'm still a baby in all of this because, again, I am unlearning everything that I have learned religiously. And now it's all about spirituality, basically, in a nutshell. But yeah, so I'm just wondering what do descendants of Portuguese people do? And for me, being of Ghanaian descent, I am of God tribe. And the God tribe, there's history that shows that we come from Nigeria, right? So I'm just wondering that uh, whether Ifa or Afa is what we're supposed to practice because we're of uh, Yoruba descendants. Because if you, um, they, we, that's what they said. We first they said we came from, we are black Hebrews, and then we went through Nigeria and migrated to Ghana. So you know, it's just a whole lot of learning, um, day by day. But yeah, that's all I had to share. Thank you. I love that you're in touch with the Portuguese as well, because I find I think 
many of us may go with whatever is dominant. So, of course, for me, more dominant is African-American experience. Yet we've got to go beyond that. Yes? Deeper. So, yes, you honor your heritage from Ghana and, and Nigeria, and you honor your Portuguese. You could have a great, 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 great Portuguese mother that was a great witch or a great seer. And she passed those gifts to you because now you're able to see. No, even with my mom before she passed, anytime she would fast and stuff, she'll have dreams and things of that nature. But she never really wanted to develop those things because I think she was just um, afraid of some of the things she didn't want to see. Who knows? But, you know, I'm just able to, you know, figure people out quite often. I, and, and I just looked at as because I'm just a, an analytical thinker. And, you know, that's how I looked at it. But now I'm just realizing, no, it's more to it than, you know, just being uh, scientific about it. And understanding what witchcraft is um, and not understanding that it's not something so evil as has been told over the years. Um, it's been demonized, uh, basically. But when you use examples um, such as what's happened in the Bible, that was all magic. So, you know, why is it that, you know, some some people have demonized it when it's outside of the Bible, basically? So, yeah, that's it. Unfortunately, I think it's because we just don't know. We, you know, we know the party line, the big story that's been told to us. You know, and it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to do what you all are doing, what all of us are doing in this global community of Christian witches. It takes a lot of bravery to step outside the party line and say, you know what, I'm going to go find out for myself. Not in a mean or hateful way or like, oh, y'all are just a problem. I'm out of here. Uh, some of us might have left in high pisosity, but as you mature in the spiritual path, it's not about being angry. It's just about finding the truth and what's going to resonate for you and what's going to take you to your ascension. Yeah. And wow, that's beautiful that you have the Portuguese to pull on. You have the uh, Yoruba. You, you have um, a, perhaps Ifa. You have powerful, all of us have powerful, magical lineage and roots. And what I'm saying is if you tap into them, it feeds you. It feeds you. None of us just was born in a vacuum. You're connected. You're connected to a long line of ancestors who had many powers. You know, I, I always saw that circling around in witches' circles. Uh, we're the daughters and granddaughters of the witches that you couldn't burn. And it didn't, you know, at first we saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I just, I saw that again yesterday. I've seen it many times. You probably have seen it many times. It just, something about that just clicked for me yesterday when I saw it. I was like, whoa. That means we're super powerful and super smart because we were able to avoid being burned. We're the descendants of the ones who somehow was able to continue practice, were able to continue practicing magic and not be caught and not be burned and not be found out. Like that's some stealth badassery right there. And you're the descendants of those people that weren't killed. And maybe in past lives you were killed. I don't know. I have, I have that, you know, that intuition from past lives. Wendy, how you loving? 
Grand Horizons people, blessed be, I am doing great. This, I'm in here getting ready to cook, and I'm preparing my stuff, and I'm just listening to the story, and I'm like, wow. It's amazing. Like, it resonated with me so much because I grew up Baptist. All the way up until I was like 12 or 13 when I ventured off into Baptist Episcopal and Methodist. But then I asked my preacher, because I used to read the Bible faithfully, and it just did not click. I'm like, something is wrong. How does this Bible contradict itself? Like, it just, and I went to my preacher and I asked him. And when he couldn't tell me why, he was like, you're being unruly. When he couldn't tell me why the Bible contradicted itself, I started to go on a different path. My brother, like I told you, I'm from Philadelphia. So my brother wasn't down south with me. My, I was with my mom and my father, but my brother was still up north. My brother came down with a whole bunch of different books. Like he's from, he's in, deals with the Nwabian nation. So he's like Dr. York and all that good stuff. So when I started digging into his books, then it made me go further as I started reading like the Book of Mormon. My aunt and my mom's sister, she's Muslim. I started digging into the Quran. I'm like, okay, so what is going on here? How is everything so different but so similar? And then I always felt, because I have a ghost hole, I've always been able to see things that the naked eye was not able to see. So I've always felt like a part of me was supposed to be in the supernatural. Then I start dealing in like the Celtic. I start trying to study the super uh, like other natural, like like witchcraft and Wiccan and stuff. I started trying to study that stuff, but I didn't really have no one to like really teach me like firsthand. So I started like digging deeper. That's when I realized that I was a witch because it more resonated with my soul. But then I realized they took books out of the Bible. So I'm like, well, why are they trying to hide stuff? But now it all just makes sense. What are you feeling right now? Wendy, if you're speaking, you're muted. We don't hear you. Congratulations. That is the sound of freedom. That is the sound of us being released from the constraints so the soul can soar. That's what it that's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like. They're just mental and, shackles. Right, because I feel like I've never been the type of person just to do what you're told. I've always been like, mm, that don't sound right. I think I'm a question that. 
And you know, people say it's dangerous to question. It's dangerous to be a heretic, a rebel, an outlier. I found it's quite liberating. It's not dangerous at all. I find that the universe rewards people who go out on their own hero's journey and your hero's quest. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out on your soul's journey and it's not going to look exactly like anyone else's journey. You got to find it. You got to go in. Yes. And find it. That's why I love the work that we do here in this community all over the world. It's an educational community. It's an inspiring community. It's an uplifting community. And it is an affirming community because it tells you you're not weird. You were sitting in church, seeing things, seeing spirits, seeing this, seeing that. And you were looking around and people were like, hey. And you're like, is anybody else seeing this? And you thought you were the weird one. Well, you. And that's true because when I moved to the South and I started going to church here, they were speaking in tongues. And I've never seen that before. And I'm like, what's going on over here? <laughs> that's, that's right. And when you start to feel for a very long time like you're the only one, like you're the only penguin in a sea of geese, you start to have self-doubt. It, 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 it can fester self-loathing. It can foster self-loathing. It can foster maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe I need to get with the program. Like, but I can't do it. I can't get with this program because this is not the program of my soul. Like, I, have, I, I like it and all. These people are lovely. They love me. But this ain't it. Something's missing. Come on, Jenny. Talk to us. Hey. Good hey, morning. <laughs> I sure have missed talking to you and all the goddesses. Very happy to be here. Um, so, Wendy, I just, this is a weird question, but do you happen to be cooking with onions right now? about cooking I got this really strong smell of onions being cooked with spices so I don't know if that's coincidence or not I just found it um you know maybe a sign I don't know anyway yeah yeah, I love that um so yes as a mutt in America I'm from many different cultures I don't know all of them. I haven't done the DNA um, thing where you find out where your heritage is. Um, I'm kind of on the fence if I want to do that or not. So, but I know that I am from Scottish descent. Um, the clan Armstrong. Uh, so I'm a distant, distant, distant relative of Neil Armstrong. Um, but the thing about it is, is that we came, from, the Vikings came down and settled in south of, so I'm, my family's from the lowlands of Scotland, and that's where the Armstrong clan was originated. Anyway, that being said, um, as to gods and goddesses, I have always, even as a little girl, always been fascinated with Egyptian culture. Um, I just always thought that um, 
it was so interesting that it was like the pyramids and we don't know exactly how they were built and it just seemed very mystical to me even especially because according to uh paleontologists that that the tigers and euphrates river is where humans came from or the human race uh began to thrive um so i really love bastet the goddess bastet um i guess probably you already know this she's the daughter of ra the god of the sun and i just read that the persians when they were in the battle of pelsium they devoted themselves to bastet and uh covered themselves in symbolism their uh of bastet and used shields had pictures of cats a goddess cat on their shields etc but i also on the flip side i really connect to kernunos who is celtic he's a celtic god who is affiliated with the green man if you go into wiccan Yes. religion and all that kind of stuff and for so long i just felt like well where do i belong what is my culture and which way do i need to believe and you brought up the fact that the bible taught us one way to believe but we will be stronger once we connect with our bloodline i just thought that 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 just really opened my eyes so thank you for that and i'm complete Wow, Jenny, I love the connections that you're making because these are strongly forged connections. The connection with the green man or the horned god that then scales fall from your eyes and you can see clearly. Scales fall from my eyes. See, when I was a Christian, you know, you couldn't tell me any of this because the scales were still stuck to my eyes. When you begin to have these experiences, these enlightenment experiences, these ascension experiences, things start happening to you, to your consciousness. You start seeing things you didn't see before. You start associating with people who are seeing things differently. Information starts coming to you. Your ancestors are speaking to you. Spirit is moving you in this direction, in that direction more information comes to you and then it just becomes the spiral the more you give into that the more it comes to you the more it's a big beautiful upward spiral and what i'm saying is never be afraid of that i see so many people that are just so afraid they're like oh my god a vampire book came to me oh i'm scared i've thrown books in the buy in the trash because i was afraid a book came to me you are psychic by deborah lynn katz i believe she's the author this book came to me so many years ago. It is an excellent book. I got so scared. My Christian mind, I was getting ready to go to church that Sunday, and my Christian mind saw it laying on the bed. Now, my mind you, I was looking like a, a bipolar nut because I was loving the book. I would read it. I was like, yes, yes. The resonance was super strong. Like, oh, my God, yes, yes, yes. Every page, I'm just underlining it like, yes, yes, yes. 
And then I came out the bathroom and saw the book on the bed and my head took over the Christian. Oh my God, girl, you selling your soul to the devil. Oh, you going down. This is bad. This is terrible. Oh Lord, you are psychic now. I was like, oh my God, I'm confused. I'm crazy. I ran her through the book in the trash. <laughs> Why am I being so crazy? <laughs> Child, girl, what's wrong with you? Right? You see, it was a battle going on on the inside. The soul, the the urge, the, the come this way. The resonance was so strong. And the head, the conditioning, the patterning, the parents, the, the, the brainwashing was strong. These two were battling it out, and the soul won. Thank the universe, the soul won. And now you use that, the Bible, for your benefit, for your soul unfolding. We don't have to throw it in the trash. We don't have to throw any books in the trash. I never found that knowing something was a bad thing for you. I never found that learning about Bastet or learning about Yahweh was a bad thing for me. How could learning or knowing more than you know now be a bad thing? When has that ever been a bad thing for you? When has it ever been that an expansion of your consciousness and now knowing more about the Druids has been a bad thing for you? Even if you decide you're gonna be a perfectly good Christian and never entertain Druidism and never practice Druidism, why would it be bad for you to know about the Druids? It's only going to uh, establish peaceful relations among people and understanding at least you can understand someone else. Is that bad? Christ was with all kinds of people. They say harlots. They say drunks. You know, the sons of thunder, James and John, sons of Zebedee. They would fight you at it. They were thugs. They were straight up thugs. They would fight you at a moment's notice. Everything for them was a fight. Oh, you want us to handle this, Jesus? They would be the two dudes that was from the hood with the Tims on. Like, they called them sons of thunder. Because they was going to bring the heat. Like, no, we could settle this right now. Step outside. Like, Jesus was like, no, cool your jets. We don't need to do all that. We're going to take the love approach. I mean, he was with some ratchet people. Supposedly, he was with a tax collector. People hated tax collectors. Why? Because tax collectors were the arm of the money collectors for the Romans, the oppressors of the Hebrew people. How could it be? It's like uh, Uncle Tom in the American, African-American uh, experience. You are now working for the oppressor. You're black and you're on the plantation working for the oppressor. You're an Uncle Tom. It was a slur. It was a, the worst thing you could be. You turned on your people. That's what a tax collector was back in those days. People think tax collector, oh, you work for the government. No, no, no. It was bad. Tax collector. You know, they spit on you because you're siphoning off all of our money to give it to these people who are our oppressors. So he was a tax collector. Come on. Fishermen, come on. Harlots, come on. Uh, rich people, come on. Poor people, come on. It was no, he was no respecter of persons. You want to be here? Come on. That's how we are. You want to be here? Come on in. We are no respecters of persons. We don't look at personhood. Personhood doesn't have anything, any place in this conversation. Because it's not about your personhood. Because spirituality is not about your personhood. It's so much further beyond that. And we must use the personhood 
that's what Gary Zukov in Seat of the Soul, he said the true meaning of power is when the personhood serves the soul. Soul is in the driver's seat. Soul and spirit is in the driver's seat. Your personality or your personhood, your heritage, all of that, your color, your creed, your culture, all of these beautiful things, your holy books, they ought to serve the soul, not command the soul. All right. I saw someone else's hand raised uh, before we conclude. I think we got everyone's hand raised. This is going to be on the Christian Witches podcast. I got to say to everyone here, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thought I was the only nut that liked this kind of stuff, but apparently I'm not alone. <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. Family, right now is open enrollment in the mystery school. If you want to come into the mystery school already, we have students that have started coming into the mystery school. The mystery school is open for enrollment for a very short time. We start this year, our new school year starts in January. If you have not been in the mystery school, at least go and look at it. At ChristianWitches.com, click on initiation. Watch the webinar. Hear from the witches that have already been through the program. Hear the witches that are initiated. Hear what their experience like. Hear what is it like to be in the mystery school. What do we do? What does the program look like? What will your initiation look like? What does it mean for you? I mean, I'm, I got four initiations. You don't have to just have one initiation and commit your life to only that one thing for the rest of your life. That's not how it works. You are committing to your soul there is one goal of the mystery school and that is ascension and the only question is is am i god yet because ye are gods that is the question am i god yet that's the only thing that we want to concern ourselves with is becoming god because it says seek ye first the kingdom of heaven all these other things will be added unto you and it doesn't mean that you don't do any work on the earthly realm i love doing work on the earthly realm it means that first and foremost is your soul first first spirit then everything else that's all so we turn out some incredible 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 initiates and magical practitioners and then once you are a graduate of the mystery school you have the opportunity to make money by helping to lead retreats by teaching in the mystery school and making money so uh and and using your gifts using your magic we don't want you just to study a bunch of things in school and not make it a practice in your life Many of you are supposed to be magical practitioners out in the world doing readings for people, doing uh, house clearings for people, uh, ejecting negative spirits and negative entities from people, helping people with uh, baby blessings, helping people with um, the astrology, helping them understand the meanings and cycles of their lives, helping them understand why they're stuck. You're supposed to be doing all these things for people and you're not doing them yet. Well, now it's time. It's time. That's it. Everyone on stage, can you send some love to everyone? Oh, wait a minute. We got somebody else's hand raised. Come on. You're going to wrap us up today. Light mirrors. How you loving? Hello. Uh, namaste, everyone. Namaste. Okay, I'm from India. Actually, I, uh, it was a great conversation here. I learned many things. Uh, I'm a Hindu. And uh, so I want to ask one question that uh, what Jews scripture speak about uh, the Hindu tribes, people, the people who live in India, is there any references? Because we worship idols and we have our rituals and, you know, not like a Brahmic, um, so we have occult also. So is there any references about Hindus in the scriptures? Oh, that is an excellent question. 
And actually, yes. Well, I won't say Hindu people specifically. At the, at the, same, time, at the same time, we are much older than uh, these people. That's why I asked. Our religion. Yes, because they say that Jesus' brother, Thomas, went to India during the time of Jesus' death. That he went. Now, I don't know about earlier references this is more a reference around the first century i don't know about earlier references um i don't know about that i'm gonna look into it because i was in india a couple of years ago love indian culture love uh well it's a multicultural experience going to india was a multicultural experience for me and i have the bhagavad gita and I found it fascinating, yet I have not yet found the exact connector between the Hebrew Bible and the Bible and Hindu culture, although there is a connection with the Gnostics and the Manichaeans, because you all still have Manichaeans there too, don't you? The people that were dressed in all whites? Uh, miss, there are, uh, miss, uh, there are that is a different kind of uh, thing, you know, not exactly Hindu people. You know, like in, 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 in Hinduism, when a woman gets widowed, she has to wear white clothes. Understood. Yes. I am not first well on that. Yes. Uh, there is one group also, which is more like uh, a Brahmic uh, Hinduism, we can say that. That is called Brahmakumari. Uh, that is like more like Abrahamic Hinduism, you know. The, they believe uh, in one god, like that. Uh, but I am a Hindu, like we worship many gods. We don't, and goddesses also. And uh, so they they also wear white clothes. Uh, so that group is called Brahmakumari. So that, that group of people, they are like uh, Abrahamic uh, Hinduism kind of, if you study. So they also wear white clothes. Ah, very interesting. We also wear white clothes in a lot of our rituals. Well, all of our rituals, we wear white clothes. And then our robe for the initiates is also white with gold trim. And white is simply the acknowledgement of all, the all, and black is the acknowledgement of the all and the nothing. So all things emerge from the darkness. So black and white are very powerful. So we also wear white. But what I've uh, noticed as far as the Indian connection is that there were uh, Thomas went into uh, southern India, I believe, southern India, I believe, and established um, Christ almost like, in other words, he took the teachings of Christ. But of course, it was done differently, just like it was done differently in the Far East in China. Um, and it, it was done differently in Ethiopia based on the flavor of where the people were. But I don't know about the Hindu connection. I would have to study that a little bit more. That is an excellent question. That's an excellent question. Uh, are you Hindu? Yes, I am a Hindu. I was born in Hindu family. My ancestors are all Hindus. Very nice. And one thing I like about Hindu people is that they're okay with all the gods. I never really met Hindu people that had a problem with, you know, have as many gods as you want. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, we have many gods, actually. So, so we can... Uh, uh, but I don't believe in Christian God because... Uh, uh, or, or Islamic God because I have studied uh, what kind of religion they are. It means they, here Christian missionaries are converting Hindus, you know, by giving uh, food, 
and telling them to convert especially poor people you know uh, in the name of uh, helping they are converting you know uh, many uh, especially poor people you know they target and they will give you money according to your status church is sending like you know if you will go to christian college they will give you bible free bible and they will force you to read in india this is happening very unfortunate and the same thing it happens um it, where what the Christian cult that I was in, Jehovah's Witnesses, they target poor people. They go into poor neighborhoods. They don't go into well-educated neighborhoods where people are more, um, more. I won't say that every wealthy person is well-educated because that certainly is not true. I'm talking about they don't tend to go and speak to people that are in the upper uh, realms of society. They more go to the hood, like in the United States. They will go to like the poor neighborhoods. That's where you see the kingdom homes. And that's where you see knocking on doors. And it goes along with their mission. Because remember, Christian is a proselytizer religion. Witches are not. We, we're not trying to get somebody to convert to something because we don't have a religion. Christian witches is not a religion. It's a community and it's a global movement of people who know they're magical and who have a connection with Christ. Christ consciousness or as some form of the Bible or are um, maybe had that kind of heritage or um, simply like it, right? It's a choice. So you don't really, um, you don't really have witches trying to go out and convert witches. I mean, you know, if you're a witch and you're magical or you're a magical being, you know it and you're probably doing something about it or you're probably hanging out with other witches. We're not the proselytizing kind. Hindus are not proselytizing. They're not trying to go out and make more Hindus. Uh, Islamic people um, have a different way of proselytizing. Christians, they take it as their mission to go out and get more Christians. That is their charge. In other words, and they feel like they got that from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where it's go therefore and make disciples, go get people. Supposedly, that's the supreme charge of a Christian is to go get people. And go get people that are disenfranchised. Go get people who are fed up with the establishment and give them hope. Go get people who are hopeless, uh, maybe fell to the bottom of their life somehow, and like Jesus, and go help them. I think that has been bastardized and turned into, let's get more energy to feed our matrix machine. Because Jesus wasn't telling people, to come to a religion because Jesus wasn't a Christian. There was no Christianity at all in Jesus' day. Christianity is a construct. So when we say Christian witches, we don't mean Christian as in a religion. We mean Christ more like a Gnostic kind of person, a person who uh, thinks the Christ of teaching, Christ's teachings and Christ's way of life has some benefit for your life by choice if you want to. Well, because everything in spirituality is voluntary. Nobody has to force us to do anything. Well, the Christian people, they have a charge, they think in their mind, to spread the gospel, which is the good news. So that's why you see them going out and by any means necessary, giving bread, giving, you know, Bibles. That's why you get these missionaries going into these countries with Aboriginal people who were doing just fine before the missionaries came. And here come the missionaries bringing disease, uh, problems. Uh, hit you over the head Columbus came to America supposedly after people had already been here for a long time he didn't discover anything 
and hit people in the head and said, this is your God now. Same thing they did with the slaves, whip you over the back. This is your God now. Your God is, this is the book. And in this book, it says you got to obey me because I'm the slave master. You know, they've used the Bible to sanction all manner of evils in humanity. And that's not what it's, that's not what it's about, you know? So I'm so happy that you shared that because the same thing that's happening with Hindus is also happening in the United States as well. So we sometimes we think that we're far apart, yet we could be having the same experience. And I see it. I see people who are poor, who are having struggles, and you knock on their door. Hold on. And you, my phone was ringing there for a second. You knock on their door and you tell them that they're going to live in a paradise earth. Like that was the witness spiel. You're going to live in a paradise earth. You're going to be, have your own home. I mean, they tell them a good story. Once again, the mythology. They tell you a story. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. John 3, 16. Just love your neighbor as yourself. Come on with us. Now you have a new family. You're in. You're in with the in crowd. You are now saved because you took Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I mean, they got a lot to offer these people. They have a lot to offer these people. And it works because everybody wants to belong they want to be part of something. They want to find meaning in their life. But then these things become pimped. We become pimped by our human needs because we're not filling the needs of the soul. So then the human needs take precedence over the requirements of the soul. Soul's requirement is for expansion, to know the truth, to understand yourself in the universe, to understand yourself as the universe, to relate with all beings, to understand oneness, to, under to be in a a complete harmony with the whole cosmos. This is what the soul is pressing for. And the human, come get into my religion. Be in our gang. There's nothing more than like a Bloods and the Crips gang. Uh, you know, the way they've made religion these days. So, yeah, I'm not with that either. I'm glad you said that. You know, I'm glad you said that. How do you pronounce your name? Is your name pronounced Tyne? No, actually, time is not my real name. This is just for a clubhouse I have kept. <laughs> Understood. Understand it well. Um, Does that make my, sense? My, oh, mm -hmm. my real name is uh, uh, from Sanskrit language. Very nice. Does that make sense about, you know, I can understand you know, the apprehension about them coming in and get hum uh, Hindu people and trying to make them Christian. Did, did that, like that's not only happening in your country, unfortunately it happens in many places. Yes, yes, I know they are also dist uh, destroying African spiritual people, this African religion, how they are converting. You know, I was once in uh, this African uh, spiritual, uh, you know, uh, room. So there, there, there was one woman called Mami Wata, something like that. Uh, I don't remember her name exactly. Yeah, so Mami Wata is, uh, or Mami Wati is the supreme mother, yes, creator yes. spirit. Yes. Uh huh. So, so she was telling they how the Christian missionaries are destroying her village, you know, and uh, people are forgetting their uh, African spirituality and whatever, and they think that this is uh, very bad. And, you know, like how they portray you uh, is, uh, you know, they try to show you down. This is what the Christian means, uh, weapon is. 
you know that, that is what they have done I, you know, that's why britishers came to india they first told us that we are un, uncivilized and you know we are here to make you civilized you hindus do not know how to do this and that so like this so similarly with the african people uh, we we are more on the uh, we are the natural people i think natural religion you know we cannot find the origin of uh, hindus you after studying the scriptures or you cannot find the origin of african spirituality this comes under natural religion whereas the brahmic religion comes under the man made so anyway this is uh, what i uh, she was telling how they are destroying my village uh, you know this much wow you know something i could say to that that's in, that's encouraging every i've been to africa i've been to kenya and I've been in church in Africa, big, huge church, you know, a lot of people coming in, da-da-da-da-da-da. When the going gets tough in your life, even though you claim Jesus and Jesus is the way and Lord Jesus and speaking in tongues and all that, when it gets rough, trust me to go to a medicine doctor. Trust me they go chase a chicken. Trust me they get the tarot deck. Oh, trust me, because I've seen it. I've seen it behind the scenes. You don't lose anything. You can't lose the magic of your blood. Look how many years I was indoctrinated into Christianity and I'm still here with magic. You can't get it out because the blood is stronger than the brain. It's in your blood, it's who you are. It's making up your energy current. You're in a long energy current. Trust me, those Christian people, they go to the church and they will live by what the church requires. Come here on Sunday, do your Bible study, do this, do that. Oh yeah, they'll do that. And when they go home, trust me, they still have a feather here to mean that. They still have, you know, <coughs> the white chalk line on the ground from when Santeria, you know that you the spirits can't cross that. They still got the salt in the corner. It, you can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. It don't matter how much Christian programming people have. They've never been able to wipe out magic in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because you can't wipe out magic because magic is inherent into this whole universe. It's like trying to say, we're going to rid ourselves of electricity. Well, good luck. It's in the air. It's in lightning. It's everywhere. We're going to rid ourselves of um, the electric, the, the uh, uh, magnetic power. We're going to rid ourselves of magnetism. Well, magnetism is in the earth. Magnetism is... In, we're going to rid ourselves of gravity. When the whole solar system runs on gravity. You know, humans are the only ones that can go contrary to nature. So I like what you said, Time, that this is natural. It's natural for us. Pardon <coughs> me. It's natural for us in Africa, too. We have gods of the river, gods of the trees, gods of the wind, gods of the storm. We have gods of all these things. Why? Because we know that all exactly. these things have divine power. Exactly. Yeah. And when you go into these places, you if you are quiet in your mind, you experience the divine power of the river. You experience. This is not something people have to teach you. You can, you can experience it for yourself. Anyone can. Tune into it. You can experience the trees speaking to you. I know if you're in a deep forest and you're walking with trees, you hear things that you don't hear when you have your phone and you know the TV on and it's all this noise. Quiet the noise. And you will hear things from this universe. 
So thank you for, for sharing that. And <coughs> also, I want to make sure everyone knows that Christianity's spread cannot wipe out magic. If it could, we wouldn't even be having these conversations, right? Because even though try as they might, for 2,000 years, Christianity is losing the battle because it's finally waning. Fewer and fewer people are going to church. Fewer and fewer people are, and most of Europe has opted out. They're like, Europe is just not religious anymore. America, I think, and maybe Italy because the Vatican is there, America, or Rome, right? America is the last bastion of Christianity on the planet. Because the Europeans are like, we're over it. But in America, oh, you still got your Jesus freaks. You still got millions of Jesus freaks. And when I say Jesus freaks, I don't mean it as a, as a dig. I mean it as they're willing to follow the party line and not do anything else. And they want to try to convert people. And they're not respectful that people already have gods. And they don't even know that Christianity had gods. They don't even know that. They don't even know that Hebrew people had gods. They don't know that the natural order of things is gods with S. They don't, it says it in the Bible. It says in the Bible in Genesis, in the beginning, gods, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is plural. Gods. But no one, no one questions that. Because monotheism is a fairly recent invention. It was invented uh, in just in the last couple of thousand years, two, three thousand years. Monotheism. It's a ridiculous notion that there's just one God. There's many gods. It's like there's many, there's many people, but we don't want to accept that there's many gods. That's ridiculous. There's, and you can talk to these spirits and you can commune with these spirits and find out for yourself. Thank you for bringing the Hindu perspective to us this morning. I love that. I love it. Okay, Ashley, share with us. We are going all around the world. We went to Portugal, Scotland, India. Come on, let's Africa. Let's hit all the continents, all the peoples. Come on, Ashley. Well, <laughs> I am in Virginia, um, and. I am so humbled and so very thankful for this conversation. Thank you so much. And I don't cry because when um, time came on, that just really broke my heart because, uh, I mean, like, the, how to utilize religion as a weapon with the spiritual narcissism. And it, it just really, really stirred, stirred up my spirit. So I hope I don't cry <laughs> about that. And I just want to thank everyone and thank you so much for sharing your information. I love diving into the history of the formation of the Bible. I think that is very important for people to really understand that the word has been doctored to fit a, an, an agenda. And we can gather information and strength from the word if we do our study, if we do our due diligence. And I have um, talked about Deuteronomy before about the scripture that you mentioned, because that's one of the main things that people want to come for me uh, whenever I share about the, the tarot and about the symbolism, etc. And I really, one of the things I always would say is that divination 
is a spiritual gift and a tool that we can utilize to better understand God and to understand ourselves. And with that whole text, what people would use to condemn witchcraft, it's it's really, hold on, my, I'm sorry, my phone is breaking up. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we hear you yes. well. Uh-oh, we lost Ashley there for a second. I think she may pop back in. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can join us in the clubhouse room. We would love to hear from you because this is an open conversation. This is an open dialogue. And everyone brings a flavor to the conversation. That's what makes this conversation a mosaic. That's what makes it rich. That we have many perspectives. We have Hindus. We have all this beautiful smorgasbord, Portuguese and Vodun and it's beautiful. We need to foster love, understanding, peace, and compassion on this planet. That's what we're about. Um, so you can listen. If you're on the Christian Witches podcast, you can hop in the room with us live. We're on Clubhouse every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a shocking, real deep, you know, forbidden knowledge secrets that no one ever told us that people don't really even want to talk about or don't want to address. You know, people say they want the truth. Well, we wonder because humans, we have very strange reaction when truth is presented to us. Okay, Ashley, you're back. Continue. Uh Uh-oh, Ashley popped out again. I think she'll be back in. Uh, Is anyone else in the audience want to share? Okay, here's Ashley. Uh Uh-oh, Ashley, we lost you again. I know Ashley had a a really, um, it it was an emotional moment there with the idea of going around hitting people in the head saying, be a Christian now, and to some some very vulnerable people. People who, I mean, hey, they got my mom when she was at a vulnerable time. They got me when I was a vulnerable at a vulnerable time. I was three. What what could I do? Not much. So now that you're grown, you can choose. You're you're the master now. You're the you you the God. You are the master. All right, we are going to conclude. I I thought Ashley might be coming back, but she may be having some challenge with her phone. So uh, hopefully she'll be with us in the room next Sunday. And we have Sunday Inspiration every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Clubhouse. And the Christian Witches podcast comes out tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear this episode of the podcast. So thank you, family. Everyone on stage.